Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, bright and breezy on a Saturday morning, coming to you from Tennis Podcast Towers, Richmond, Casa Matt Roberts. Hello, Matt. <laughs> hello. And I've just seen, actually, that you sent me a WhatsApp, which I missed, which was, where is the door? Because mm. <laughs> it's not obvious. It's not in the place you would expect it to be. Yeah, if anyone's trying to stalk Matt Roberts... <laughs> Uh, you'll you'll struggle because it's very unclear how you get into uh, his his building. But anyway, I'm here. Billy Jean is here. Um, yeah, she she knows what's what in a podcast recording. She's got that look of look of resignation about mm. her. When you say make yourself at home to people coming into your flat, Billy Jean's very much done that. <laughs> That's her vibe. Yeah, uh, David Law is not here. He's still uh, swanning round Croatia. But frankly, who needs David Law when you've got the star of the Wimbledon History Conference? <laughs> is that me? That's you. That is you, Matt. Mm. Yes. Well, I, I I played a small part yesterday in the in the Wimbledon History Conference, and it was great actually and particularly so because there were so many lovely tennis podcast fans there and i'd like to thank all of them for coming i'd like to thank robert mcnichol uh the wimbledon historian who who put it on and yeah it was a really interesting event i was there to talk about tennis relived uh and a little bit on the goat debate as well um sigh a bit of a sigh yeah <laughs> But there were there were lots of interesting talks. Uh, the the language used to describe Indian tennis players, uh, how how tennis and politics intersect, and people who say that you can keep them separate—that's kind of a nonsense. I sort of punched the air at that one. Uh, there were a couple of representatives from the Arthur Ashe Legacy Project talking about their or history project they're doing. Yeah, just lots of really interesting talks. I felt a little bit out of my depth next to all the all the people with PhD in their name. Um but and and but but then I told a story about Fred Perry, which for those who've who've heard that episode of Tennis Relived, I sort of told the story about how he was an outcast and he wasn't necessarily who the All England Club would have chosen to be their 
champion because because of his social background. And I felt a little bit nervous telling that story at the All England Club. But then one of the other speakers slagged off uh, how hard it is to get tickets for Wimbledon. <laughs> and suddenly I felt, oh, well, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, were you the only speaker to bring groupies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I didn't bring them. They were there. <laughs> they were encouraged to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, honestly, it was so lovely seeing... Uh, so many of you show up and literally cheer Matt on. <laughs> yeah, people whooped. <laughs> First ever Whoop at an detected whooping at a at a conference. <laughs> yeah, no, it was lovely. Matt was, of course, the star of the show, and uh, to everybody that came, uh, I'm quite sure he had a good time. But um, thank you for supporting yeah, the pod. Thank you. And thank you, Matt, for representing the pod so brilliantly. Uh, we're at that stage. It is November, which means podcasts start coming to you thick and it's fast. It's true, isn't it? I've just looked at our schedule. Mm. Yeah, there are some two <laughs> podcast days approaching. Matt flies to Seville tomorrow for the Billie Jean King Cup finals. We'll be doing daily pods from there. I'm flying to Turin on Friday for the ATP finals. There's, of course, the Davis Cup finals in Malaga, where Matt will be present as well. And, of course, we still have uh, the culmination of the 2023 WTA Tour, the finals in Cancun. And that is what we're here to talk about today. This is our end of group stage, looking ahead to semifinals and finals podcast. And there is a lot to talk about. Um, for any of you that heard our kind of preview show with Pam Shriver at the start of the week, kind of preview recorded with uh, with a day's play under our belt, um, there was a lot to talk about there. And I'm not sure any of those talking points have really, really died down over the course of the last five days. If anything, those fires have been very much stoked and and new ones lit um the singles has successfully reached the semi-final <laughs> stage as scheduled and the semi-finals will be Iga Swiatek undefeated in the tournament so far against um Arena Sabalenka a battle for the world number 1 year-end spot which is exactly what we want from this event and the other semi-final will be Jessica Bagula against Coco Goff doubles partners turned rivals in singles and on the subject of the doubles they are in a tough spot are Pagula and Goff because due to weather uh, spoiler alert weather is going to come up a lot uh, the group stages of the doubles are not yet completed so today Saturday Pagula and Goff will not only have to play singles against one another they will also have to come back after that to resume their final group stage doubles match against Laura Siegmund and Vera Zvonareva that's suspended one all in the second set Pagula and Goff having won the first and then if they win that they'll obviously have to play more doubles and one of them will win the singles and we'll also have to play more singles. Um, <laughs> Schedulers nightmare for Gula and Golf. Absolute nightmare. <laughs> and look, they they know playing singles and doubles at, at any event comes with its challenges, uh, particularly an outdoor event where rain is a, a thing. Um, but this is extreme, even for them, isn't it? It is. And I think particularly because of the point you make about how they're then, you know, they're having to play each other in what's a really big match you know this would 
This would certainly be the biggest title of Jessica Pagula's career so far, if she can win this tournament. And it would cap just the most incredible second half of the season for Coco Goff. You know, there's a lot there's a lot on the line for them in that singles match. And then having to then come together and play doubles. Look, I totally think that they will handle it. But it, it's awkward. And I did, I did see Jessica Pagula say this week, I believe on one of her visits to the Tennis Channel desk, that they think they're going to mm. wind back the doubles next year. I think they're very much targeting P- up to the Olympics. Olympics. She kind of said, then we'll look at it. Yeah. Right. And that was kind of the vibe I got from her at the US Open as well. Like, I think they're all in on the Olympics and great. I'm absolutely here for that. But... There's no doubt about it that, you know, as as successful as they've both been in in singles, you can't really know how truly successful you can be unless you go all in on it. And it does feel, particularly for Pagula, like the double sometimes has... I don't want to say got in the way of the singles because she's just had these brilliant singles results, but it feel like she's just played so much tennis. I think over 100 matches she's played this year between between the two and it it can take its toll and yeah I think I think that sounds like a really smart move to keep coming into the doubles play the Olympics and then maybe reassess she's undefeated just like Shiontek in in the singles is Jessica Bigula she's she's played as Shiontek aside I think the most impressive tennis so far kind of the cleanest tennis so far in some in some extremely dirty (laughs) conditions I mean I don't know. I don't know why I'm about to make a prediction in a podcast that will be so soon out of date. But I see Jessica Bigula as the very heavy favourite in that semi-final for a few for a few reasons. I mean, Goff, incredible hustle for her to reach this semi-final. She has not played well. She has she has not looked like she's enjoying herself at all. And I understand that, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, and the second is m- memories of their most recent meeting in Canada, which was an incredibly strange match. It was three sets and sort of on the face of it looked competitive, but it was the only match that Coco Goff lost all summer. That match, she won Washington, she won Toronto, uh, sorry, she won uh, Cincinnati and of course went on to win the US Open. And she looked just really uncomfortable with the whole playing my friend and doubles partner dynamic. I know that's not their only meeting on tour, but I remember having the feeling all the way through that match and it was it was played in quite a lot of wind, as I as I recall. I had the feeling all the way through, Pagula's got this. Um, and I have that feeling in my stomach ahead of this one. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say up until last night, where I'm I'm sure we'll talk about Iga Sviantek, and she impressed me massively last night. Up until then, Pagula had been the Why player who most what, impressed me. What time me. was that match happening, Matt? <laughs> T- time, I, uh, I've got a very uh, hectic sh- schedule at the moment, and for some reason I was sacrificing sleep to watch Iga I'm Sviantek. struggling with a 9am podcast <laughs> recording i arrived and i said i'm here i'm on time coffees are on the way but i have not had the chance to watch highlights of the matches that took place in the middle of the night matt's like oh don't worry i watched them live (laughs) i think it's because i was very aware that i hadn't seen any tennis yesterday i thought i need to need to have something to bring to this podcast in the morning i'm awake i'll put it on um but up until then pagula had been the player who had most impressed me 
Um, I think the thing about Pagula is we we think of her as having this ceiling to her game. And really, I think the way now to frame it for Pagula is simply that she just has this this Grand Slam quarterfinal block because she has shown that she can beat the best players in the world. It's not a it's not a situation where her game just can't beat the best players. She's won her last six matches against the top ten. Four of those in straight sets, including all of them this week. And in that run of six, she's beaten Goff, Sviontek, Rubakina, Sakari, Sabalenka. You know, these are these are the best players in the world and, and she's been beating them. And I think the point that you and Pam both made on, on Monday's podcast has definitely sort of rung true this week about just how steady mentally she's been amidst all the chaos going on around her with this tournament. And she's just really just got on with her business in a really effective way. Her serve's been good. She's been breaking serve easily. I think she's underrated as a as a player in terms of her skill set. You know, she's, she's obviously a great ball striker and hits the ball deceptively hard, I think. But she's also got good hands and had quite a nice slice backhand and she can anticipate the play really well and get a lot of balls back all all important things to have in the wind I think and that's really come through there's it's very compact there's not a lot that can go wrong with her game was on the flip side yeah. <laughs> such a contrast isn't it with Coco Goff you know there is still quite a lot that can go wrong with that game and she has been the embodiment this week of everything that's been brilliant about her through this second half of the season, finding ways to win when she's not necessarily playing at her best. She is so match tough, tough right now, having won 24 of her last 27 matches. But the game is not in a particularly good place. You know, I think 17 double faults yesterday against Vondrosheva. There was, there was a whole game of double faults against Igor Sviontek. The forehand has been has been misfiring, and it's just a huge credit to her, really, that she's managed to get through that group without anything close to her best tennis. Um, and there's also this this story going on that I think Lindsay Davenport was the one to break the news that um, no longer no longer working with Perry Reba. Uh, Goff said that wasn't her decision. Um, Brad Gilbert is there, Jameer Jenkins as well. So, you know, she's still got quite a team. But I was really thinking that Perry Reba would be the week-to-week guy and Brad Gilbert would come in for the, for the big events and and give his knowledge to her. But really, I, I felt like Perry Reba was the main coach there. So for him to, to have gone, I don't know, it certainly changes the dynamic of that team and it's it's it feels like quite a big story especially if it's not Coco Goff's decision yeah really interesting well it's not any surprise to me that 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 band that Mm. that won won the summer yeah was a kind of summer fling yeah wasn't sustainable yeah that doesn't (laughs) surprise me at all it really surprises me that Perariba is is the one to is the uh is the Jerry Hallowell of the gang (laughs) Um, yeah, that that really really surprised me. I'm sure in time the the reasons will become clear. I'm sure you can speculate about, you know, Brad Gilbert was the one getting all of the all of the spotlight and all of the plaudits over over the summer and particularly at the U.S. Open. There's 
there's definitely a scenario in which that was uncomfortable and annoying for him. I I don't know anything about his character and what kind of guy he is. He might be somebody that's perfectly happy being the the silent the silent partner. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but it, it's easy to forget that Perariba. It's not like Perariba was there all along, and Brad Gilbert came in as the jolt. Perariba only came in just before mm. Brad Gilbert, didn't he? They both jolted together. Yeah. It was a chemistry of the whole thing. So I, I do think that's quite a significant departure. And yet I still think it's, I think it's pretty, I, I, I think she's absolutely maxing out on her capability in these conditions, Coco yes. Goff, by reaching the semifinals. I'm, I'm so impressed because honestly, she looks like she's on the verge of tears 90% of the time. And as, as somebody that can't play in the wind... <laughs> Um, I've I, cancelled tennis because it's too windy. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, here. Um, <laughs> and I know. Uh, look, I've seen it on Twitter, and I know a lot of people listening that perhaps haven't seen that much of the actual tennis in Cancun, and that's understandable. A lot of it's on at times in various places in the world world that aren't that convenient. And just thinking, it's wind. Get on with it. You know, you can't be guaranteed perfect conditions as a tennis player and sometimes a bit of wind can make things easy you know oh who's going to deal with this better and sometimes I quite enjoy watching that it can Mm. sort the wheat from the chaff wind and it can be a sort of an interesting curveball in a in a match situation I've not felt that at a at a single point during this week so far um with my not oft worn meteorologist cap on uh there is something about this wind that is completely destructive to tennis quality it is an absolutely horrible wind um it is it's the tail end of storm season isn't it in cancun so although i think they've potentially been unlucky it's not totally unforeseeable that this this weather would be happening. There's been a lot of intermittent rain as well. I mean, Goff Androsheva last night was interrupted goodness knows how many times. Um, and we've had, you know, Sabalenka Rabatkina was held over from, from the day before. We'll come on to talk about that in a minute. But there are these um, positioned behind the umpire's <laughs> chair, positioned at the net level on the court, on either side are a set of plants. Lovely, attractive greenery. <laughs> uh, lovely idea. But the function they are serving uh, throughout this week in Cancun is to be a, a, a windometer. I'm sure there's, a, <laughs> there's an actual word for a windometer that's not windometer. But that's what they're doing, right? And they are so accurate in portraying the exact horrific what what word would uh serena use abhorrent <laughs> yeah she would say the conditions were abhorrent right yes because <laughs> and then it's, she'd go back it's like lynx golf on a bad day mm. isn't it it is swirly and gusty and hideous you can't play good tennis in it i, I think shvantek and pagula have come the closest that compact game from pagula is really helping in her sort of mental stasis mm. um is has been so impressive but it's basically impossible to play good quality tennis the players are, are 
doing their best. I don't see this as coddled tennis players whinging about imperfection. I see this as tennis players annoyed in a very relatable way at how hard it is to play good tennis, but also tennis players with an awareness that this is the showpiece event of the WTA Tour. Players, perhaps for once, with an awareness of their responsibility to represent their sport and represent women's sport full stop and their frustration at their inability to do that effectively, to show off themselves and their sport the way it deserves to be. Yeah, well said. There have been there have been times this week where I've found myself longing for Fort Worth and, and I really didn't think that I would ever be longing for Fort Worth because that was not great, but at least there was at least there was controlled conditions and there was wasn't these incredible gusts of wind that as you said make make the sport almost impossible to play. And I think I think the women are hyper aware of the misogyny out there that will criticize them even when they're playing well and delivering their best. And now they're in a situation where that is simply impossible for them to be able to do that because of the conditions that this tournament has is being played in. And it looks bad. It is not a good watch. And that is absolutely not the player's fault whatsoever, but they're the ones that will get the grief because mm. they're the ones playing. And I, I feel I just feel really sorry for them. They have been they have been let down, those these top players, quite simply. And as we said as we said on Monday's pod, they've been let down several years in a row now. And if if the players speaking up about it is is one of the ways that we can make sure that something like this doesn't happen again then I'm very pleased that the players are speaking up yeah honestly I've been a bit bemused by some of the um, negative reaction to the players speaking up uh, about this issue some sort of bristling at them speaking out publicly against their own against their own governing body and I (laughs) I I don't understand. I I honestly don't understand that response, quite frankly. Um, You know, platform and profile is what these players have. It's their power. They are wielding their power for good. I I wish they would do it more often. Mm. I I wish they would show signs of an awareness of that responsibility and torch that they they carry and, you know, I guess in some ways are burdened with more often. Um, but, I, yeah, it's an underutilised tool, but I, I'm so pleased to see them using it in this in this situation. You know, I think back to the French Open and the so obvious um, misogyny of the scheduling there two years in a row and, and the amusement of of ourselves and other like-minded journalists and thinking back to to Matt Futterman of the New York Times and the Athletic and you know persistently having to put the question to players in press conferences I remember a conversation with him where I was like this is wrong no matter what the players think about it. it this is just wrong and whether the players have enough awareness of the situation to to realize that 
despite all of their understandable internalized misogyny or whether they have the the inclination to speak out about it it's wrong and he said yeah but the story doesn't stand up without quotes from players that's where the power is in in the profile and the platform of of the players it makes more noise change is more likely to happen if players speak out um that is that is a fact i'm not saying there isn't a place for quiet diplomacy and you know again if 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 matt futterman's story from this week in the athletic take a look at that for an indication of the the attempts at quiet diplomacy that have been happening behind the scenes over the last few weeks and doesn't feel like it's it's got them anywhere this is kind of end of their tether situation so yeah I've, i've been a bit bemused by those responses quite frankly yeah same and i i I think i guess one of my frustrations is i am absolutely pleased that they're speaking out but i think the reason they didn't speak out at the french open is because quietly none of them wanted to play the night sessions Mm. you know whereas now they're speaking out because it affects them because they're the the wider interests of the sport and the interests of the individual player are for once aligned. Yes. It's kind of an easy win. It's easier than speaking out about China or about Saudi Arabia or about Wimbledon bans. Yes. That's or, more complicated. Or or them. even even something like the scheduling at the French Open, mm. because they would they would have to say I don't want to play there, but I know it's right for us to be scheduled there. Whereas now, as you said, it, it's aligned. It, it's totally wrong and it's bad for me. So it is easier to speak out. But that doesn't mean that I'm criticising them for speaking out. I'm pleased that they are. I just wish, as you said, they would do it more often. Mm. And yet, as we're discuss- discussing this and shining such a light on, on the issues of the event, and look, I I, I don't want to hammer the event either i don't want to hammer the wta i so we're doing this from a place of sadness that we desperately want this event to to be a beacon showpiece of of the sport that we know is so brilliant and we it, it it's sad to see it not able to be that but equally i have this deep deep anxiety in the pit of my stomach that by criticizing the event this year it's playing into their hands of the wider strategic plans that tennis has to go it all in on Saudi Arabia. Um, it'll be here are your here are your questions about everything that was wrong with this year. Saudi Arabia has the answers. Oh, you want more money? Yeah. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Oh, you want nice conditions? Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. It's a worry. It's a wor- it's a worry. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On to the, the other side of things and the semi-final that has been set up between current world number one and former world number one potentially almost certainly if if not today then at some point soon future world number one Igor Svantec this is the match that we wanted I am I am about to check the weather forecast in Cancun uh, to see whether what the chances are of this ending up being the, the match that we all know it has the potential to be um Svantec's played the best tennis so far of the two of them that that much is is certain for sure and i will now refer to the match that i was watching in the middle of the night uh, because i thought she was brilliant last night Igor Fiontek in those windy conditions so much control on her shots and such sharp footwork that was what i really noticed i think you you have to have that in those windy conditions and she just looked controlled and focused and i think there've been times this week where sabalenka has looked a little bit out of control and I think that combination with difficult conditions will will make it tough for her but I'm I'm just so pleased that we've got this match and I think Igor Sviontek wanted this match I you know the, the way she played against Ons Jabeur last night I think I think I'm right in saying that there was a scenario where she could have gone through the group but ended up not playing Sabalenka in the semi-final and that would have left the destiny of number one out of her control mm. because I think if if Sabalenka then got through to the final it wouldn't have mattered what Igor Sviontek had done Sabalenka would have been number one but as it is Sviontek needs to beat Sabalenka and then go on to win the tournament so she knows that she's got it in her hands to finish the year as number one it's also in Sabalenka's hands you know if she beats Igor Sviontek she will be number one regardless of whether she wins the tournament or not but it's exactly what you want. And, and as, as, as poor as some of the tennis has been sometimes because of the conditions, because of everything we've just spoken about, I think narrative-wise, we've got, we've got exactly what we would have wanted from this. You know, this is, this is a brilliant showpiece moment for the WTA to have, you know, the number one on the line at the end of the year. And I think if, if Sviontek ends up finishing the year as number one, it would almost feel like this little period where she was number two. It would almost be like it didn't really happen. And yet it was sort of the most important thing for Svantec that it did happen. Because I think I think she's really got better as a player in the last mm. couple of months because it's of it. It's been good for her. It has been good for her, I think. And, um, 
you know, for Sabalenka, this is now... She, I read that she is the first woman in 17 years to reach the semis at all four slams and the WTA finals in the same season, which is an in- incredible feat of wow. consistency. Justine Enan was the last player to do that 17 years ago. And I just think it's so interesting how Sabalenka has become this player who is really consistent at the big events, but is struggling to win some of the big matches and obviously apart from the Australian Open of course but we've now got a situation where this is a big match can she win it you know it's a bit like a Grand Slam semi-finals it's the semi-final of the WTA finals number one on the line what Sabalenka is going to show up and I'm just a bit worried that in in windy conditions it's, it's going to be tough for her I think I think her ball is just the less frightening prospect in the mm. wind for, for Sviontek to have to deal with but you know It'd be interesting to see if Sabalenka can sort of prove everyone wrong there. Sabalenka is so funny in the wind. I found <laughs> that the, the resumption of her match against Rabakna last night quite amusing, really, because you know, most players, when they play in the wind and they talk about it afterwards, it's all about adjustments, isn't it? Right. Yeah. All, all about, you know, the, 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 little, the little adjustments. Sabalenka's policy is pretend it's not happening. <laughs> I mean, that's her policy the whole time. For everything. I am doing my thing. Mm. Come at me, wind, opposition, whatever. I'll just be over here belting the ball. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's, it, and just her commitment to that, regardless of the hoo-ha that is happening around her. And honestly, that <laughs> those conditions last night really were hoo-ha. I've, I found... Yeah, I found very entertaining. Um, she was the better player against uh, Rabakina, who kind of on the face of it had her chances. Um, and look, she's she's still competitive with the best in the world. I don't think it's crisis mode for her. But she's not the player she was at the start of the year. Um, I, I don't think she's been quite the same player since the virus that took her out of the French Open, whether it's coincidence that that timing aligned or whether there's some kind of lingering effect of the, the, the virus, she doesn't she doesn't look as powerful. She, she looks just sort of a slightly anemic version of herself. The serve is, is a problem. The serve being less of a weapon is a problem. Um, I look forward to getting down to Australia and being able to ask her about that kink in the service motion and whether she's adopted that because of something to do with, with the shoulder. Um, from what I can see, the the speeds are still up there, but it's just become more er- erratic, the mm. serve. It's just, let, she used to be able to go full throttle on it and it be reliable, and that feels like it's gone. It's more of a heart-in-mouth moment when the when she tosses the ball. Mm. And, and I think a little bit less effective as well, but certainly based on what Pam was saying on on Monday, how even even when she's finding that first serve, she's not necessarily mm. winning quite so many points behind it. And that's look, she's got a she's got a great all round game, Rebecca, but the serve is is the foundation. It's it's the pillar. She needs that. And uh yeah, th- there's been a, a worrying decline in that shot over the over the second half of the season for sure. You picked Sabalenka at the start of the week, is that right? 
No, I picked, well, on Monday's pod, I picked Sviantec. Oh. And in the newsletter, because Sviantec had already gone, I picked to Coco Goff. You picked Coco Goff. I need points, Catherine. <laughs> is, is well, no, hang on. Well, we, we can't that... spoiler this, can we? But I've been genuinely not looking because David's had such a good run. Is David in an unassailable lead? I wouldn't say it's unassailable, oh, but you might need to pick and hope that Finland win the Davis Cup or something like that. Hail Mary situation. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, I feel good about Shontek at this stage. But Pagula is... It, it's Pagula's Shontek or Pagula one. for me. They are so... They've been so, so much more convincing than the rest yeah. of the field. It's definitely going to be a Sabalenka goth final now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like... How can it be? I'm so sh- I'm so sure it has to be Svantec Pagula because of what we've seen. One scenario that I definitely can see, I was talking about this with the friend of the pod, American Andrew, the other day, who's obviously a, a big Pagula guy, uh, being a Bills fan, like your good self, Matt, mm. uh, is Pagula wins the WTA finals. I get seduced by it. And despite swearing never to do so again at the US Open, pick her to win the Australian Open mm. because because tennis podcast predictions and she obviously loses in the quarterfinals again. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would also throw in the United Cup there because... Yes, has a she, great United she Cup. She was very convincing there this season. Yeah. Going to back up amazing mm. WTA finals. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's going to happen. I see that scenario. Um, it's funny, when I watched Sabalenka Sviantec in the final of... Uh, Madrid this year and that was that was one of those just sort of preordained matches they were on a collision course all week they both desperately wanted to play one another it was a real kind of Mm. great they want this rivalry to happen as much as we want it to happen moment I, I thought we'd be watching that match all year from that point on it hasn't happened since a bit like you know a bit like all of those, they have mm. been circling one yeah. another a bit. It's it, Goff always plays Sviantec. Always. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Dominal Murray. Um, but then some of the other rivalries at the top, they've been they've been kind of circling one another for, for a lot of the year. So I'm really pumped for that. I, I do wish I hadn't just checked the weather forecast in Cancun. Hit me. Uh, according to the UK Met Office... A 60% chance of rain between the hours of 12 and 6pm. Solidly. Okay, that's around... So the dub, so the first doubles would definitely be in that window and mm. probably the first singles as well. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and then it drops off to a, a mere 40% chance of rain. And so. anything on the windy levels? Ooh... Excellent question. Um, bear with me here. Bear with me. The Met Office isn't doing wind, but I'm going to AccuWeather. <laughs> right. Wind gusts. No, this is, well, current. Current wind gusts are at 52 kilometres per hour. Oh, my God. That's quite a lot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that a lot? That's a lot. <laughs> Let's go hourly. Right. Da, 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 da. Uh, okay. I'm cancelling tennis if, if it's 52 kilometre per hour winds. Right. Okay. At, so what time does play start local time? 
I think it's around three or four, right? Okay, so at 3 p.m., 27 degrees, cloudy, uh, and a windy of 24 kilometres per hour. Much better. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Okay, and that's holding pretty pretty consistently throughout the evening. Uh, wishing, hoping, praying that that, that, is, that is the case. Mm. Um, just... Just last thing that probably deserves a mention, Ons Jabeur, who hasn't made it through to the semi-final stage, extremely emotional week for her. Um, she did score one victory, revenge. She just loves revenge, doesn't she, Ons Jabeur? She's mm. a revenge gal. Uh, revenge for the Wimbledon final. Um, a four and three win over Marketa Vondrosheva. Uh, she was... Very, very emotional after the match, fighting back tears. Um, and she talked about the ongoing conflict in Gaza, which she's she's been speaking out about on her social media as well. She said, I'm very happy with the win, but I haven't been very happy lately. The situation in the world doesn't make me happy. So I feel like I'm sorry. It's It's very tough seeing children and babies dying every day. It's heartbreaking. I've decided to donate part of my prize money to help the Palestinians. I can't be happy with this win. It's not a political message. It's humanity. I want peace in this world. That's it. Um, so, yeah. Not much to add to that, but um, I think worthy of a mention. And um, that's season over for Ons Um Interesting. Interesting to see how she how she deals with all of it. She's got a a lot to process at the end of this season um and fascinating to see how she comes back at the start of at the start of 2024 um there's obviously been stuff happening in paris this week which we aren't ignoring folks this is just a a wta final specific pod we'll be back on monday we'll be back how many times on monday matt i think i think you're going to be back twice right am i the only well, I think David as well. I think Monday. I'm just doing. Oh. I'm just doing pod two on Monday, right. unless I fancy pod one. Right. <laughs> I'll be back twice on Monday, folks. Uh, so don't worry. We will be wrapping up all things Paris, where Runa Djokovic has been happening with Agro. Yes. In fact, all sorts of things have been happening. I mean, Paris has had its own problems. Yes, there would definitely be a segue, wouldn't there, from problems in Cancun to problems in Paris. I think they've had, I think Stu Fraser reported there's been one pre-midnight finish in God. Paris. And there's been a couple of 2am something finishes. I mean, ridiculous. And it happens every year. Again, this isn't a hindsight is a wonderful thing. And, oh, you know, the matches just went long. This happens. Yeah. This is tennis. This is what happens when you sh- try and schedule six matches on one court in the same day. Like, minimum, you're looking at 12 hours. Minimum. Mm. And it it's only takes... Se- it it's only two takes, sessions as well, isn't it? So, so they, they have to get a crowd out and you in. You can't move matches. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just been ridiculous. Yeah. I, I think I think it's been very possible to be living on the east coast of America and wake up and Paris be happening and go to bed at a perfectly reasonable time and Paris is still happening. It's insane. And Andre Rublev had things to say about it. 
last night, didn't he? If you've lost Andre Rublev, yeah, exactly. You've lost ATP. Exactly, and I'm looking forward to everybody on on the internet um, having a go at Andre Rublev for Absolutely. speaking out against his governing body. Uh, he did it in a very sort of sweet Andre Rublev way, with a sort of little little sort of smirk on his face of am I really am I really doing this am I really saying something bad about someone um but it was sort of yeah thanks ATP this this week has been ridiculous um and and, and again that's been a tremendous shame because there have been so many good matches mm, in Paris absolutely they have so much drama and you know match points being saved and interesting stuff for the race to Turin. You know, it's been, tennis-wise, it's it's been a really good week. It's just been overshadowed by the fact that so much so much of it's been happening in the middle of the night, and it's just ridiculous. And Yannick Sinner had to, had to pull out of the event because of it. Mm, with fatigue. Real statement, that. Um, anyway, we're, we're not talking past. No, we're not talking about <laughs> That's just a little teaser for Monday's pod, which... Well, you won't be on the, the Paris one. So if you've got any, anything else you need to get off your chest about Paris, speak now. No, I will um, I will leave it to you and David. David okay. David all fired up after his holiday. And I don't know. He looks very relaxed. He does, but I think he's going to have takes. He's... <laughs> okay. His takes last night were that he had forgotten the WTA finals were around Robin. So... Oh, my God. That's the kind of holiday mode that David was in, which we support wholeheartedly. And, and actually, you you have brought me on to Ram Robin, and I, I have been reminded. I think I think generally, Ram Robin is part of the reason why often the WTA finals and and the ATP finals they we had a lot of ATP finals with extremely one sided matches. It, it just always feels a little bit weird to me, you know, if, if you're struggling in a match. Normally, you're fighting absolute tooth and nail to come back. But if it's round robin and you've got another chance, I think I do think that's part of the reason why we see some one-sided matches. Because in theory, you shouldn't. It's all the best players in the world. They should be closely competitive. But I don't know. A lot of the matches have this slightly weird feeling where you're worried about it getting awkward. And I, I do think the round robin sort of plays into that a little bit. Sorry, round robin rant. And any no, we, we we welcome it here. Uh any other any other rants about any tennis to get off your chest before you enter Billy Jinking Cup mode? Just on that, and again, this is probably for Monday's second podcast. Uh Belinda Bencic is pregnant. We had that announcement yesterday and it yes, seems she's I did see that. She's going to play the Billy Jinking Cup. Is she? Still. I believe wow. so, which is quite something really. I know we've had Players play pregnant before. I mean, Serena Williams won the Australian Open pregnant, but I'm not sure it's ever happened where we've known wow. about it. Yeah. Wow. I, f- I find that really, a really interesting one. Um, so again, another teaser for for one of Monday's podcasts. So do join <laughs> us for that. Uh, we'll be wrapping up the WTA finals, wrapping up Paris, looking ahead to the Billie Jean King Cup finals. Uh, It is coming at you thick and fast in the month of November, folks. Buckle up. Uh, We have our mascots. We don't have an episode mascot today, but uh, don't worry. As as discussed, there are plenty of slots uh, still available for our remaining mascots. Uh, We have our mascots, though. 
Uh, I have got Zenia, David's got Maisie, and Matt has Darwin. Billie Jean is has been remarkably uh, compliant. Looks like she's already recording. had a walk, but I know she's about to go for her walk. She's not used to getting up this early, Matt. Fair. <laughs> It was a real, it was a, it was a startling alarm call for her, uh, for us both, quite frankly. Um, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have top folks and executive producers on three, three, two, one, Jamie, Jamie Hannah, Hannah and, and Drew. And we have shout outs. We don't today. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Well rehearsed. <laughs> Matt's well, got Matt's got places to go and people to see. Yes, and I know we'll get emails because people like it when it's all of us doing the shout outs. True. Yeah. What is a shout out with it without David Law? Exactly. Although my dad was very happy with his Pam Shriver shout out. I felt like Pam was, you know. Yeah. I don't want to say adequate replacement for David <laughs> because that sounds terrible. Pam's way way better than that, but. In shout-out terms, we, we an adequate replacement. We understand the sentiment. Uh, that is Billie Jean making her presence heard, just to confirm that she has been here throughout the recording. Thank you, Billie Jean. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday twice. So we'll speak to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 